Hello everyone, welcome to There's Always Tea, an uplifting podcast that will have you learning and laughing just a little. But before we start the show, click subscribe or follow now so that you don't miss any of our upcoming episodes. And in case you haven't listened to our show before, we are friends who love all things related to tea, history, the ethereal universe and travelling. My name is Nikki Jordan. I'm a transformation coach, an aromatherapist, an author, and a mum. So a few podcasts ago, Keith covered two of Scotland's leading protagonists, Sir William Wallace, the Braveheart of Scotland, and Robert the Bruce in his Scottish Wars of Independence podcast. And since those two shows, we've been inundated by many of you asking about the Stone of Destiny. What is it? Where did it come from? Is it really magic? So Keith and I thought we'd answer those questions for you in a special podcast just about that special stone. A few of our listeners have also asked about the Wars of Independence. And what's clear is that a lot of you didn't realise that Scotland was actually invaded by the English and it was ruled by the English King Edward I, also affectionately known as the Hammer of Scotland. And no, that's not a compliment. He was brutal, and he ruled over England and Scotland with an iron fist, or maybe a hammer hammer in this instance. So the Wars of Independence were all about getting rid of the English and gaining their independence. And as a Welsh lass, I'm not passing any comment. (laughs) But I can't get into this without my favourite historian and co-host, Keith Hopton. Keith is a public historian, an author and a broadcaster. Hey Keith, this is a fun show and I'm excited to tell people about the Stone of Destiny. Hey Nick, me too. And maybe also dispel a few myths or two and put to bed where we think the real stone is now. The truth Mm. will be revealed. (laughs) Yes, it will. And I was listening to your dulcet tones on the Robert the Bruce podcast, which I loved, by the way, so informative. And I heard you mention the Stone of Destiny. And it was like the antennas on my head going off. Magic? Where's the magic? (laughs) We'll have a bit of magic. Thank you very much. Yes, we do. So for tea this podcast, Nick, you insisted that we stick to Slancha, as you made that for me during Robert the Bruce podcast, and I absolutely loved it. So I'm happy that we're sticking with Slancha. And if you're not familiar with Slancha teas, they are hand-blended, organically sourced from native medicinal herbs from the Scottish Highlands. I'm guessing it's kind of their hope to inspire a revolution among tea drinkers and maybe spark the revival of using native wild herbs as beverages, no argument from me, which played a vital part in supporting the health and well-being of our ancestors. I mean, if it was good for them, it's good for us. Absolutely. I mean, I think insisted is a strong word. I love their teas, so maybe suggest it. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I do that as well. It's strong suggest really? <laughs> you insisted. Um, no, I love their teas and thank you for introducing them to me. They are lovely. Yeah, I'm enjoying it too. So Nick, the Stone of Destiny. What's your feeling about the stone knowing what you do? Well, I know that the Stone of Destiny is an ancient symbol of Scotland's monarchy and it was used for centuries in the inauguration of its kings and queens. Um, it's seen as a sacred object. It's earliest origins, I think, are unknown, aren't they? 
but there is magic to it, right? Some kings have alluded to it. You know I love a bit of magic, so I believe it. Yeah, me too. And I've actually seen it and touched it, but a little more Ooh. about that later. Really? I didn't know that. Well, in 1296, King Edward I of England stole the stone from the Scots and had it built into a new throne at Westminster Abbey in London. Yeah, he did. And even until the, you know, as early as the, the 1950s, it was a source of contention between the English and the Scots. But let me tell you what I know about it, and maybe we can throw some light on it for our listeners. Mm, okay, cool. So let's be clear. The Stone of Destiny is also known as the Stone of Schoon, or by the English as the Coronation Stone. It's an oblong block of red sandstone that was originally used to crown Scottish kings and queens. But since its theft, as you mentioned, by Edward I, or Longshanks, it's been used to crown English monarchs. And then finally, with the union of the crowns in 1707, all the monarchs of Britain. <laughs> Longshanks, dare I ask. <laughs> oh, the nickname? Yeah, he got that nickname yeah. because apparently he had incredibly long legs. So long legs, long shanks. So as I mentioned earlier, England and Scotland were always at war. And until the early 17th century, England and Scotland were two entirely independent kingdoms. So this changed dramatically in 1603 with the death of Elizabeth I of England. Um, because the Queen had died unmarried and childless, which... Sounds negative, but that's completely fine. <laughs> the English crown passed to the next available heir, which is her cousin, James VI, the King of Scotland. And England and Scotland now shared the same monarch under what was known as the Union of the Crowns. Yeah, that's exactly right. And James then became King James I of England and Scotland. And he's also responsible for producing the King James Bible, um, you know, the King James version of the and the authorized version of the, the Bible, which is effectively okay. an English translation of the Christian Bible for the Church of England. But we digress. <laughs> we always do, Keith. So another name for the stone is Jacob's pillow. Mm. And this comes from the story in Genesis in the Bible, where Jacob used a group of stones as a pillow and had a dream about building a ladder to heaven. Afterwards, Jacob is said to have consecrated the stone in the ground. So the question is, could this be one of the stones? Yeah, look, it could be, but it's kind of a, um, you know, if you think about the where the stones were over in, 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 you know, what was to become Israel, you kind of wonder then, well, how did they get from Israel <laughs> to Scotland? But the, the <laughs> more very common long journey. belief is that the stone... <laughs> Yeah, it's a, it's a long way to go. So, but the most common belief is that the stone is actually from Ireland and possibly brought to Scotland by St. Columba in the year 571. And interestingly, St. Columba was the first man to mention seeing, wait for it, the Loch Ness Monster, something oh. we may cover in a future podcast. Oh, we love Nessie, don't we? Yeah, we must go into that. We will. So traveling in those days was very, very treacherous. And it's a wee bit strange to travel carrying a stone with you that takes four grown men to lift. It's not as though you can just put it in your bag, is it? So no. there has to be something <laughs> special about the stone for St. Columba to take this from Ireland to Scotland. <laughs> can you imagine the customs man as you arrive? Hello, hello. What do we have here then, sir? Uh, it's a stone. What kind of stone, sir? <laughs> you know, just a stone. And will you and your stone be staying for a while, sir? Uh, yes, about a thousand years. 
Lovely, sir. We hope you and your stone have a lovely holiday. Carry on. <laughs> That's so Monty <laughs> Python. <laughs> yes. Oh, my gosh. It's a bit weird, isn't it? So you're right. There must have been something special about this stone. Yeah, and we do know that St. Columba crowned Aidan of Dalradia on the stone in 574. And this theory is actually more plausible as the stone was actually kept on the island of Iona, a small island on the Inner Hebrides, off the Ross of Mull, on the western coast of Scotland. And the island is mainly now known for the Iona Abbey, which St. Columba founded. Fascinating. You know, I haven't been to any of those places, but I must say the names of the places in Scotland and Ireland, it's just lovely, isn't it? Oh, have yeah, to go. Yeah, and, and Wales, and Wales. Must oh, I, Wales. I know. Wales, I must not take Wales for granted, of course. But as we're talking about Scotland, <laughs> Iona, I love the name Iona, the Ross of Mull. It's great, isn't that? Yeah, all very romantic and romanticised names. So back to the stone. So the, the stone was then moved to Percher and then Dunkeld Castle before being moved to Schoon. And at Schoon, this is where all the kings and queens of Scotland were crowned until 1296, where we, and as we mentioned, King Edward I sacked the port town of Berwick, stealing the stone along with Scotland's crown, scepter, and sword. I mean, effectively, he stole Scotland's crown jewels, along with the Black Root, or the Holy Root of St. Margaret of Scotland. Now, this is special because the Holy Rood is supposed to be made from a piece of the cross that Jesus died upon. And it was supposedly destroyed in Durham in 1540 during the Reformation. Not sure about that. Yeah, it was. Do you reckon? And I love the way you say Durham. If you're in Scotland, you'd say Durham. 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 I feel like but if like you want to you learn to, to speak with a Scottish accent, just saying schoon is a great place to start, isn't it? You know, I mean, it's rude. pronounced as you, you know. It's 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 spelt scone, but you actually pronounce it scone. You pronounce it scone. So upon taking the stone to England, it was placed in a special throne called Edward's throne, original, huh? And stored underneath the seat, which was supposed to show his overlordship of Scotland. Edward was said to have believed that the stone contained a special power, and he commented that there was a warmth from the stone a power that he couldn't explain that he felt when he laid his hand upon it. I reckon he actually <laughs> felt it when he sat on it. There's probably a bit of heat coming <laughs> off that. He goes, oh, it's a nice hot stone. I'm liking this. <laughs> but Edward's throne, I mean, when you say a special throne, the name, they couldn't come up with anything else. Edward's throne. It's original, I suppose. <laughs> Well, and I, and I think it also points to, you know, kind of like kids and their toys. It's like, that's Edward's throne. Don't anyone else touch the throne. It belongs to Edward. Yeah, definitely. That's so, mine. Keep your mitts off. Yeah. Yeah. Don't touch my throne. And, um, and that's not a euphemism for anything else. There's no mistaking it. There's yes. no, like, who, who does this throne belong to for the rest of eternity? Oh, it's Edward's. You know. <laughs> he probably even scratched his name into it. Edward's throne. Edward Don't was, touch. yeah. Remember that? We used to do that. <laughs> Edward was, yeah. But, you know, in, in all seriousness, no one was actually allowed to touch the stone apart from him under the pain of death. Ooh, that's an amazing story. So knowing what we know about stones now, I guess we could surmise that the stone had an energy, right, that no one could explain. And stones do carry energy. We know this. 
What sure. about the Glastonbury yeah. stones? Like they all carry energy. So when you saw it, Keith, which I think is incredible, how did you feel? Did you feel magical? Did you feel anything happening? Did you touch it? Were you allowed to touch it? Yeah, yeah, we're allowed to, um, you're allowed to touch it. It's not like the Blarney Stone where you got to lick it. I didn't get to lick it, but you got to touch it. <laughs> and uh, when I went to see it, it was, um, it was actually showcased in Stirling Castle. And back then, as I said, you could touch it, um, but I actually didn't feel anything. But oh. I have a theory about this, and I think I know why. Okay, what's that then? Well, there's been a lot of questions and theories about this particular stone, and I have my own. And on this stone, there were geological tests that have been run on the stone, and they reveal that it is actually sandstone, and that this stone was actually quarried near Schoon in Scotland. Oh, so not from Ireland after all. Well, so I think the original stone was definitely from Ireland. And from okay. where it came from before that, I don't know. But I think the monks from Schoon Abbey actually replaced the stone, the stone at Schoon with a replica when they heard that Ooh. Edward I was on his way after the Scottish defeat at Dunbar in March. And the English actually didn't get to Schoon until June. And that would have given the monks three months to produce a replica stone and actually hide the real one. I don't know how the stone at Schoon and the Schoon until June. <laughs> like, do I sound like a Scots person? <laughs> Almost. Very good. Very good. But naughty, naughty. I like that theory. Quite plausible, actually, as you explain it. So is that why the stone that we see today is called the Westminster Stone? Yeah, the the English have renamed it that. And the one point, the sole point that makes me believe that the uh, the stone at Schoon was replaced is that even in the writing of the Treaty of Edinburgh and Northampton, which was a peace treaty that was signed in 1328 between the kingdoms of England and Scotland, the stone of Schoon was never asked to be returned. And that's mm. just strange. It is, isn't it? Bit of a red flag, because if it's such an important relic, and it clearly was, they would have asked for it to be returned, wouldn't they? Absolutely. Mm. And they requested the return of St. Margaret's Black Rood, and they got it, but they never asked for the Stone of Destiny. And of course, over the years, geologists on examining the stone found over nine different periods of workmanship, another red flag, indicating that it wasn't a single piece that had been worked on just once. Yeah, it's re that's really interesting as well, which expands the theory that I have that it was actually a replica. I mean, if right. it had come from Ireland, it would have been one stone worked on by one master mason. And it this stone clearly isn't. I also found out that, this is a funny story, that in 1950, a group of Scottish students from the University of Glasgow decided to steal the stone from Westminster Abbey and bring it back to Scotland. I mean, as you do, as you, you do. can imagine as teens, can't you? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, this would be a great idea. It's a bit like Bill and Ted's adventure, isn't it? Oh, let's go steal yeah. the stone. Woo. All right, so off they went. But what makes me laugh is that it was such an ill-planned robbery in the first instance and that they decided that they would do it using two Ford Anglican cars. <laughs> That's the same car that was used in the Harry Potter film that flies. Do you remember? Yes, <laughs> yes. So the first attempt was made on Christmas Eve, but they were caught by the night watchman who quickly just sent them on their way. <laughs> so, what, so no police, no one was called? <laughs> no. I mean, these were different times. He probably thought, 
Oh, kids trying to steal a stone. Off you go, yobbos. Remember yeah, yobbos probably. from our from our Cockney podcast. But yeah. not to be deterred, I'm thinking that everyone would be into their Christmas festivities. The following night, which was Christmas night, they tried again. So the three men in this group entered the Abbey via Poet's Corner. I love that name, by the way. And then when they removed the stone, it was a bit heavy, Keith. You know, they didn't realize it would be so heavy. And they dropped it, breaking the stone into two. Maybe not the smartest mm -hmm. trio, bless them. See, ill-planned ill-planned okay. robbery. Yeah. But they were inventive, I'll give them that. So using one of their Macintosh jackets, remember those, they dragged the smaller of the two pieces from the altar and put it into the boot of one of the cars. And just as they were about to drive off, they were approached by a policeman who asked, what are you guys up to? Honesty being the best policy always. Oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. They told the policeman that they had just stolen the Stone of Destiny and he just laughed his head off and wished them a Merry Christmas and off they went. Yeah, I mean, you know, the what are the possibility of someone trying to steal, you know, a stone that takes four men to lift from Westminster Abbey? I mean, really, <laughs> times have really changed. But they managed to get it all the way to the Victoria area when they remembered mm -hmm, that they had only got half the stone. The other half was... <laughs> back oh, in the no. Abbey. So one of the group drive all the way back to get the second piece. I mean, really, it, in its simplicity, it's just so funny. He then dragged the larger part of the stone to his car and somehow managed to get it into the boot. And then the two cars just drove off to Kent. Right. Mm -hmm. So the following day, it was discovered that the stone of destiny was missing. Oh, my gosh, stop the world. You know, chaos ensued. And the border, actually, between England and Scotland was immediately closed. Now, that was the first time it had been closed in over 400 years. So this was wow. serious stuff. Yeah, serious. Yeah, stuff. and actually what it points to is is the, you know, closing down the, the Scottish border. It's the English are clearly saying that we don't want this stone being taken back into Scotland. Mm, absolutely. Good point. So two weeks later, the group returned to Kent to recover the pieces. They were then taken to a stonemason by the name of Robert Gray, who was known to make replicas of the stone for the museum market and then to repair it. OK, that that's really interesting because you've just reminded me of something. So Robert okay. Gray was actually another Robert Gray, not this one, but Robert Gray was actually a Scottish businessman based in Glasgow. And Robert Gray is the one who actually paid the students to steal the stone in the first place. So how about that? He no way. Pays wow. Them, yeah, yeah. So he pays them to steal the stone, and then they end up taking it to another Robert Gray, who's actually the guy, the stonemason, who makes replicas. I mean, you couldn't make this story up, could you? I know. That's a, that's a hell of a coincidence, that, isn't it? But actually, the grey, the stonemason grey, then placed a message in a metal rod inside the stone that was joining the two okay. pieces together. Um, but the contents of that is still unknown, and we may never know what it says unless the stone has to be repaired again. <laughs> you know what I reckon it said? I reckon it what? said, this stone is a replica. <laughs> <laughs> I reckon it says, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> 
In April 1951, after an anonymous tip, the stone was discovered on the high altar on the ruined Arbroath Abbey, draped in the flag of St. Andrew's Cross. Hmm, that makes a lot of sense because that's where the famous Declaration of Arbroath was actually signed. I actually mm -hmm. spoke about it in the, the Robert the Bruce podcast, if anyone would like to know more about it in detail. Yeah, no, that was brilliant. And you went into such detail on that. So um, after that, the stone was returned to Westminster Abbey in February 1952. Yeah, I guess just in time for Queen Elizabeth II to, um, to be coronated. So were mm -hmm. any of the, the students ever prosecuted? <laughs> no, none of the students were ever prosecuted, largely due to the fact, well, I think because they told the truth, <laughs> but the English didn't want to politicise the stone and raise the fact that there was mm. anything special about said stone. That being the case, right. why was it still being used for British monarchs to be crowned upon? Mm -hmm. Yeah, good point. You see. So when you visited Stirling Castle, Keith, are you saying that you didn't feel anything special or see anything special you know, when you touch the stone because you don't think it's the stone and that the monks hid the real stone when Edward invaded. Yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, that's exactly why I don't think I felt anything from this particular stone. And the stone of destiny is a big thing for Scottish people. You know, it's a it's an yeah. actual sign of their independence. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the million dollar question, you being a history detective and all, where is the real stone then? Look, we'll never really know. It's a bit, you know, it's like one of those things, you know, we, the, the, who shot Kennedy, we'll never know. But the stone, I believe, is magical. Otherwise, why would St. Columba bring it all the way from Ireland with him? And that right. tells me that there is something very, very special about it. And the fact that the monks had time to hide it in 1296, I think they did, when they could, they could have all been killed for actually doing so and protecting it. And I think that also says something about the stone, like it actually right. willed them to do it. It's like, don't let the English take me, hide me, protect me. Oh, I like that. All very dramatic. Like the stone has a life of its own. Mm -hmm. yeah. Like <laughs> like the Ark of the Covenant in Raiders of the Last Ark. Love it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I think the real stone is actually somewhere on the island of Iona, maybe actually even ah. in the monastery there. Okay. I mean, that's a good place for it, right? I like this lane you're traveling in. Well, St. Columba founded the island and built the monastery there. Uh, and there are something like 48 Scottish kings, eight Norwegian kings, and four Irish kings buried there. So what better place to hide the stone of destiny? I mean, there's no better place. And that's where I mm. think the magical stone of destiny is. I'm following you. It's a winner. Keith, that was so much fun. And hopefully we've thrown some light on this amazing stone and the history of it. I mean, time will tell, right? If we're eventually correct, hopefully we're still alive by then. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, and Nick, and I'm glad Robert the Bruce inspired you to want to explore the, the Stone of Destiny even more. It was such a fun podcast for me to do. And of course, there are no complaints from me. I love the entire story. Yeah, I mean, it did. I hadn't heard of the Stone of Destiny and um, Robert the Bruce, you know, it's a, it's a certain kind of podcast. But when you mentioned this, I was like, oh, gosh, like I said, the antennas went off on my head. So I'm really glad we looked into it in more detail. You know, anything that mentions something magical, I'm going to be all over it. You know it. <laughs> For sure. Mm hmm. Um, and I think, you know, we should also mention, so Robert the Bruce, 
brilliant podcast, but also William Wallace, because you debunk a lot of theories and myths in there as well. And Rob Roy, really, really great podcast, I think. Yeah. And, you know, all three guys in one way or another, you know, Robert the Bruce and um, and William War Wallace were actually the guardians of Scotland at one stage. I mean, what a great title. And, um, you know, Rob Roy, although he came along, you know, kind of 300 years later, they're all in a way connected to Schoon and that stone of destiny. So I it like was, um, that title, Guardian of Scotland. Isn't that what we what prime ministers and things should be? Guardians of. I mean, they're far from that. But like, I like that. Do you imagine on a business card? I'm yeah. the Guardian of Scotland. I'm the Guardian of Wales. Thank you very much. It's an incredibly important mantle um, and responsibility to bear. And of course, these guys, you know, were given those titles because they were the guardians of, of Scotland in that particular era. And as a guardian, they would actually fight. You know, they were the ones that went out there and, and led their armies and fought to protect and guard Scotland. The prime ministers these days, not so oh, much. Gosh. Don't even, really. don't even. I think, you know what, we do have listeners in Ireland. I reckon if anyone's in Iona, I think they need to give us their theory on all of this. I bet they'll have a view. Wouldn't that be something? Yeah, look, someone's got a got a theory about the Stone of Destiny out there. I mean, there's, you know, we don't really know where it came from or how it was brought across. We're assuming it was St. Columba um, because, you know, that was what was written. But keep in mind, the stories about St. Columba were actually written about him 500 or so years after his death. So, but I think there's some truth to them. And I think there's a lot of truth in the story about the Stone of Destiny. I think it's the most magical stone in the British Isles. Mm, okay, we're off to Iona. How about that? On <laughs> my <the> list. <laughs> Book the tickets. Yes, on my list. Okay, well, look, we're thrilled by the support that we've received for our podcast. So thank you very, very much. And we would love to encourage more questions. You know, we do... Um, talk to people throughout the week and they give us ideas or things that they want us to cover because, you know, we are researchers and we have different skill sets, Keith and I. Um, so we love kind of going into things in more detail. And obviously we want to put things out there that people will enjoy, not just, you know, that, that we will enjoy them as well. So thank you for all of that. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a good point. You know, we're, um, we're on all the major platforms. We love the feedback. We're on Facebook. Happy to receive your comments. We're on TikTok. And of course, you can contact us via email. So send your questions and requests to there's always tea at gmail.com. There's always tea at gmail.com. And if you like the podcast, please rate the podcast on whatever yeah. platform you're listening to it on. And please, 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 if you like them, share them with your friends. That's what really kind of gets the word out there. It's not just to promote our podcast. It's actually because we have a lot of truth in our podcast as well. So we do want to put truth out there for certain topics and things that we discuss. And remember, when the going gets tough or not, there's, <laughs> there's always tea. tea. <laughs> Bye for now. Bye. Bye.